0: and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life.
1: This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms, in the place of authority dominion and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. The day my mind is alert, my spirit is receptive as I am taught the Word of God, my life is changed for the better. And I will, I will never be the same again. The same again. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And as you're being seated, if you would, turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 6. And since the beginning of this year, we've been in a series called The Truth About Money, dealing with how to walk in the blessing and the provision of the Lord. And praise God for it because, you know, when we started the year, we didn't know all that would go on this year in 2020. But praise God, in the midst of everything going on, we are walking in the blessing of the Lord. The church has ended every month in the black and not just a little bit in the black, amen? There's no government money here. There's no government bailout money here, Amen. amen? It is God's blessing upon you, the people of God. And last Monday... We, or two Mondays ago, excuse me, phase one, everything was completely and totally paid off. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Pastor shared at 9 a.m. that his plan had been to pay off the building, property, the first week of January, but the money just kept coming, and then it was to pay everything off the beginning of December, That the money just kept coming. And then a few weeks ago at 5 a.m. prayer, on a Saturday morning, a young man, young businessman in the church, he handed Pastor a check for the outstanding amount. Amen? So we, we are living amongst the supernatural provision of God. So you got to turn off everything that is causing anxiety, everything that is causing worry, everything that is causing fear, and build yourself up in the Word of God. Today's message is the Jesus Multiplication factor, the Jesus multiplication factor. On two occasions, Jesus fed large crowds and he supernaturally multiplied the loaves and the fish on two occasions. And in Mark 6, we have the feeding of 5,000 men plus women and children. Now, point number one this morning is this Jesus wasn't poor. And Jesus did not live broke. Part of walking in the blessing of God is setting aside wrong religious ideas and wrong concepts. And we've all heard it. Jesus was speaking to a young man about following him. And he was dealing with the fact that when you follow him, there's going to be persecution. When you follow him, Not everybody is going to like it. When you follow him and live for God, you're not going to be welcome everywhere. And so he spoke metaphorically about the Son of Man having no place to lay his head. But he was speaking metaphorically to make a point. Yet people take that and they turn it into, well, did you know that Jesus didn't have a pillow? Did you know Jesus was homeless? Did you know Jesus had no point no place to lay his head. And that I say, nonsense. In John's gospel, they asked where he had a place, a residence, and he said, come and see. We find out in the gospels that he had actually a home in Capernaum. So a lot of times people have in their heads wrong religious ideas or concepts they've heard or they've heard growing up that sabotage them in Believing God. So number one, Jesus wasn't poor and Jesus did not live broke. Mark 6 beginning in verse 35, by this time it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place they said and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you You give them something to eat. You do something about it. A lot of times we're waiting on the Lord. He's waiting on us. And he said to them, you guys, you do something about it. You give them something to eat. But they said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Eight months of a man's wages. Now look in your Bible at the very next part of this verse. In Mark 6 and verse 37, they said are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Now notice they didn't say, you know, Lord, we don't, we don't have the money. They said, are we to go and spend that much on bread and give, him, give it to them to eat? So they had the money. Tell your neighbors, say, they had the money. Had the money. Tell your other neighbors, say, they had, the they had the money. We find out in the Gospel of John that Jesus had a treasurer. His name was Judas. Well you don't need a treasurer if you don't have anything to keep an accounting of. They had a treasurer and the treasurer actually John tells us was a thief. They had a money bag. They They had ability. They had provision. And Jesus said you go and buy them something to eat and they said are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat. So they had the money. They had the ability. Now, when our family of seven, and I had to double check, you know, we get the blessing of the Lord, got to pay attention to the numbers. When our family of seven goes to Chick fil A, that's about $45. And Emily's a newborn, so she doesn't count towards that $45. Amen? So for six of us to eat, it's about $45. Now, could you imagine buying food for 5,000 men, plus women, and children? What would that cost? Well, if you figure exactly the same number of women, and you figure just 3,000 children, I'm sure there would have been more, that's a lot of money. And based on the math for our family, that's about $97,500 of Chick-fil-A. That is a lot of (laughs) Chick-fil-A. But I give you that illustration to make the point, when Jesus said, you give them something to eat, and they said, are we to go and spend that much, that's eight months of a man's wages... They had some ability. Now again, if you said, my father told me, Austin, I want you to go to Chick-fil-A for the tailgate party, (laughs) take cash. That would be some briefcases. And you might say, well, Austin, how did they have that ability with them? Well, they had coins. And in their day, coins were actually worth something. See, we, we live in a day where because of the decisions of our government and politicians, Our currency has been devalued, 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 devalued. You know, if somebody gave you $1,000 in the 1980s, that that was a lot of money. But $1,000 today is not what it was in the 1980s. And so in that day, they had coins. Coins were actually worth something. And with coins, you had some ability. So they had the money. Tell your neighbor again, say, they had the money. Tell your other neighbor, say, they had the money. Now, number two, when you walk with Jesus, not enough is not an excuse. When you walk with the Lord, not enough is not an excuse. Not enough is not an excuse. It's never an excuse. Verse 38, how many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Then he told them, go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. And this is always the question, what do you have? What do you currently have? That's what Elisha asked a prophet's widow in 2 Kings chapter four. He said, tell me, what do you have in your house? And you read on, you find out that all she had was a little oil and Elisha then told her to gather as many jars as she could from neighbors and then a miracle happened. She started pouring that little bit of oil but the oil kept pouring and it poured until every jar she gathered was full. She was then able to pay her husband's debts And then she and her sons lived on the plenty that was left over. But notice the miracle happened with what she had. The miracle didn't happen with what she didn't have. It happened with what she had. So that's always the question. What do you have? We None of us, neither you nor me, none of us can give or sow or be a blessing with what we don't have. But we can give or sow with what we do have. So what you have Is always your seed to sow. What you have, even if it's a little, that's your seed to sow. Now, number three, Jesus does not subtract or divide, Jesus multiplies. Verse 39 Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So he believed in doing things orderly. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks. Say, he gave thanks. You know, and this is what Thanksgiving is all about. Our families gathering together and giving thanks to our Heavenly Father for his blessing and his provision. You know, it's amazing how there can be mass gatherings, mass celebrations, and it's fine as long as it's for a politically approved cause, But, but don't let anyone find out about you and your family Gathering in your home to give thanks in gratitude to God. You know, not everyone who came to the New World, but many people who came to the New World came seeking religious freedom from persecution and tyranny in Europe. And the pilgrims, they, they lifted their hands, their heads to God, and they gave thanks for His provision. But they came seeking religious freedom. Because they had been persecuted in Europe by men and using government to trample on the rights of men and women. So Jesus gave thanks. And that's what we ought to do, not just this week. We ought to do all the time, every week, every day, we ought to give thanks, amen? Well, every meal, we ought to give thanks. We ought to lead our families and our children in giving thanks. We ought to give thanks, And uh, parents, don't be afraid of your young people, amen? It's so evil, so wicked, some of the things going on. I saw that the government is saying that if you have a young person away at college, that that makes them a member of another household and not to let them in your house. That's evil. That is wicked. And do we not have more faith in the provision of God and the protection of God than that? And so we're living in days that are anti-God, anti-family. Jesus gave thanks, and then he broke the loaves. And he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. So notice Jesus did not complain about what he didn't have. Jesus gave thanks for what he did have. And this is part of walking in the blessing and the provision of God. Maybe you're not yet at the place you want to be at. Maybe you don't yet have what you'd like to have. Maybe you have not yet arrived at that destination. But in the meantime, give thanks for what you do have. In the meantime, give thanks for the blessing and the provision of God at your current level. To go to new levels, you gotta be thankful and grateful and give thanks right where you're at. You gotta have a right heart and a good attitude right where you're at. Give thanks. Jesus gave thanks for what he did have, amen? And so that's what we ought to do this week and every week, that's what we ought to do during Christmas, give thanks for what we do have. Number four, when you give, you're not enough, you'll live a life of plenty left over. When you give or put into the hands of Jesus whatever is not enough, you'll live a life of plenty and left over. Now, if the government had been in charge of the meal that day, they would have taken the five loaves, And the two fish, and they would have cut them up into little itty-bitty pieces. Now, how do we know that Jesus did not break it all apart into little itty-bitty pieces? Well, look at verse 42. They all ate, and they were satisfied. And many of you, you're going to eat this week, and you're going to be satisfied. Amen? And I know the young people love it when, you know, mom and dad do Thanksgiving and then grandparents do Thanksgiving, and there are like three and four Thanksgiving meals. So there's gonna be a whole lot of satisfaction going on this week. They ate and they were satisfied, they were full. So there was plenty, there was more than enough. Verse 43 And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. So they ate, they were satisfied and there was plenty left over, that's God. See, when there's not enough, and there's lack, and there's need, and there's not enough, not enough, not enough, that's man. That's government, or that's the devil, but that is never God. When God is involved, there is plenty, there is more than enough, needs are met, people are satisfied, they're full, they're satiated, and there is always, say always, there, there is always plenty left over. That's God. That's when you know the Lord has been at work. See, when we deal with the Lord, when we deal with Jesus, we're dealing with provision and with multiplication. So there were 12 basketfuls left over. And the number of men, just the men who had eaten was about 5,000. In Mark 8, we then have the feeding of 4,000 men plus women and children. So number five, when you don't have enough, our, Jesus has compassion, and he wants us to have more than enough. When you don't have enough, Jesus has compassion, and he wants us to have more than enough. I love it in the Gospels when it, the Gospel writers describe how when people in need came to Jesus, he was moved with compassion. And true compassion is seeing people receive what they need, what they desire. And so he has compassion. And he wants us to have more than enough. Mark 8, beginning in verse 1. During those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. So he so had compassion. And we ought to be compassionate. We, we have to realize that we live in a time We live in a society where most young people growing up in America, they're not growing up in a Bible-believing home. They're not growing up in a home where there is a Christian worldview. And then when they go to school, they're not going to get a Christian worldview. And so they, they literally know nothing about God. They literally know nothing about the things of God. They literally know nothing about a biblical worldview. And so when we turn on the news or we see what's going on in the news or we're, we're out and about, we have got to have greater compassion than we have ever had before. And the, why are they like that? Why are they doing it? Because they are the result of who raised them, how they've been raised, and who's been looking after them. And so we've got to have greater compassion than ever before. Jesus said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they'll collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. His disciples answered, but where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? You know, they they didn't live in a time and place like we do where we have all these modern conveniences. You know, we have have no needs. And even when someone in American society has a need, that they can charge it, put it on credit, go into debt over it, we can, you can walk down the road to get groceries, go down the road to get food from five or six different places. But these were ancient days. There was nothing nearby. Where are in this remote place. Can anyone get enough bread to feed them? And it had been three days. So see, in our lives, we gotta stop any complaining. We gotta get any complaining out of our lives, out of our mouth, any ingratitude, any ungratefulness, amen. And as pastor said at 9 a.m., We turn on the news, get online, there's all these distractions. We just need to focus on what's important. The kingdom of God, the family of God, our families, our work, and focus on what matters. Where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? Jesus asked, verse five, how many loaves do you have? Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground when he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks. So notice again, He gave thanks. And and that's why when we go to have a meal, not just at home but out in public, you you ought to give thanks, amen, and not be ashamed of giving thanks. And it's amazing how when you're out eating, and I guess this is not something that they cover in training anymore, but when your your family joins hands to pray over the meal, now, now waiters or waitresses, they'll just keep talking. They'll just come over, interrupt, do whatever they're doing, so they don't even cover that anymore. But we, we need to not be ashamed of the things of God in public, to join hands, to pray, to give thanks, and to lead our children in that example. So again, he gave thanks. When he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the people, and they did so. They had a few small fish as well. And so he he gave thanks. So notice again, he didn't give thanks for what he didn't have; he gave thanks for what they had. He gave thanks for them also, and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate. Verse eight: they ate and they were. So that's the Lord. Enough, more than enough, plenty left over, satisfied. Amen. So you might Austin, you might ask me, say, Austin, what should our attitude be? We, we are well satisfied. God is good. He's blessing. He's protecting. He's keeping us safe. Amen. We're walking in His blessing and His provision, and we are well satisfied. And in 2021, we're going to be even more well satisfied than we are right now. You might say, Austin, well, what about this? What about that? What about this in the news? What what, what about all these things? That's why we got to focus and look to our Heavenly Father as our source as our provider and keep walking in his blessing they ate and they were satisfied afterwards the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over and about 4,000 men were present and so again there were that many men but there would have been women and children as well in verse 4 the disciples talked about buying enough food to feed 4,000 men plus women and children. So again, they had the ability. They had the provision. So Jesus wasn't poor, and Jesus didn't live broke. But see, we've got to get wrong ideas and concepts out of our head, out of our thinking, and out of our heart. See, ungratefulness will hinder you in walking in the blessing of God. Negativity will hinder you in walking in the blessing of God. Not enough Will, will hinder you in walking in the blessing of God. And you got to realize that our Heavenly Father, He's good, He's wonderful, He's generous. He will meet you at whatever level you can believe Him at. So you got to get rid of a, a cheap and a stingy and a not enough mentality. Because if you don't get rid of that mentality, circumstances will never change and you'll always be living in a place of not enough. There was a time, it's a long time ago, we were in another state with family, a get together, and one of the evenings, one of the men in the family went and got some white castles. If you're a northerner from up north, you know what white castle is, amen? And you can drive through and they come in a big box. Wonderful. You're like, what's he talking about? They sell them in the frozen section at Kroger's, but they're not as good as the real thing. And so, One of the men had gotten a bag of White Castle burgers, and they're they're little tiny miniature burgers. And so a grown man can eat more than one. So they had this bag of White Castle burgers, but a a young man in the family, he might have been 12 or 13 at that point, he, he grabbed as many as he could and began scarfing them down. And it dawned on my father and the other older men sitting at the table that in his family there had been not enough. And that young man was worried about having enough to eat. He, he was in a place where the mentality, the attitude was cheapness and stinginess and selfishness, where the attitude was not enough. Now, a decade or more has gone by in that family. Have they come from the place of not enough to more than enough? No, because the mentality is not enough, not enough, not enough, and because the attitude is not enough, not enough, not enough, they, they, they can't even see their way to blessing, putting more than enough on the table. What are you talking about, Austin? Well, when my father was growing up, he was an only child. There was an evening this week where Jessica and I were in the kitchen by ourselves, and our third-born, Samuel, he, he was in the, the bathroom there by the kitchen, brushing his hair, whatever he was doing, singing the joy of the Lord. And I, I was standing there in the kitchen, and I said to Jessica, You know, my father's parents, they had my father. That, that was it, one child. And I imagined that as a little boy, he was a lot like Samuel. And, and I said, how, how could they not be nice to that little boy? How could they not be kind? to that little boy. How could they be mean to that little boy? How as that little boy got older? Could they get brochures for military academies and threatening that little child to send them away to military school? One child. And Jessica said, Austin, people don't realize what they have. And even when there's just one, it's complain, 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 complain. And a mentality of not enough See, that, that's, those are seeds that can be deposited into a child that they carried forward. I've heard my father tell the story of how when his family growing up, they'd get pizza. His father would get one pizza, one pizza for them all, the three of them to share, and that was it. I'm sure he didn't get an extra large either. Amen? but one pizza for them to share. Well, one pizza when you're sharing with a five-year-old is not the same as one pizza when the five-year-old is 16, 17, or 18. Most of our young men that are that age, they could eat probably one pizza by themselves, no problemo. So it's a mentality. It's an attitude. But if you have that mentality, that attitude, you will never walk in the blessing of God. Our Heavenly Father is loving. He is kind. He is generous. And he wants you to be satisfied. Amen? He wants you to be satisfied. He wants you to have more than enough. He wants every child to go to bed with a full tummy. Amen? He's good. He's wonderful. Now, number six, in both miracles, Jesus asked the same question. He said, what do you have? And that's always the question. That's what God asked Me today, that's what he asked you today. What do you have? Not what we don't have, but he asked what we have. That's the same question God asked Moses in Exodus 4, beginning in verse 1. And you know the story God called Moses, but Moses had every excuse in the book. And when the Lord told Moses that he had called him to lead his people out of Egypt, he gave the Lord this excuse and that excuse. Verse 1. Moses answered, Well, Lord, What if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And you know the story. God used the staff to work great miracles. It's like the question Elijah asked the widow in 1 Kings 17, beginning in verse 13. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. She was prepared to make her last meal. But first... Make a small cake of bread for me from what you have, from what you have, and bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and your son, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up, the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. And praise God, she took action, not with what she didn't have, she took action with what she did have. Verse 15, she went away and did, as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day, every day. It was a time of famine and not enough. But for her and for her family, there was food every day for Elijah, for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. So, when he fed the 5,000 men plus women and children, Jesus said in Mark 6 38, How many loaves do you have? When he fed the 4,000 men plus women and children in Mark 8, he asked, How many loaves do you have? So, stop talking about what you don't have. Stop dwelling on what you don't have. Stop saying what you don't have. Stop rehearsing to everyone what you don't have. Tell your neighbor, say, Stop saying what you don't have tell your other neighbor, say, stop saying what you don't have. Jesus did not talk about or focus or dwell on or complain about what he didn't have. He simply gave thanks for what he did have. And that is a very powerful thing. He gave thanks for what he did have. So stop saying what you don't have or what you can't do. And if you're married, husband, Help your wife with this. Wife, help your husband with this. Say, Just say, stop it. Don't don't do it. Say, stop it. Don't do it. Don't say it. Stop saying what you don't have. Stop saying what you can't do. There's no victory in telling me or telling the Lord or telling others what you don't have or what you can't do. Give our Heavenly Father thanks for what you do have. A lady shared this past week that she got a knock on her door in the evening and another lady in the church had come with a car full of groceries to bless her family with. See, that that is the wonderful provision of our Heavenly Father. I didn't even know there was a need. No one had said there was a need. Nothing had been posted about it, said about it, written about it. And yet, God met the need with not just enough, but more than enough. That is our Heavenly Father. So in your life, give thanks for what you do have. Number seven, this is the last point, yield what you have to God and he'll multiply it. If you'll be thankful for what you have and yield what you have to God, he will multiply it. Give God something to work with and then believe him for a great harvest. In Mark 10, beginning in verse 28, and this is when Jesus had dealt with the young man He had come to him, and he said, Lord, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus said, you know the commands. And that young man said, Lord, all of these I have kept since I was a young man, which we know is a lie, which we know is not true, which we know is not honest. And Jesus said, young man, one thing you lack. Go and sell what you have and give to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. So this young man, he had not obeyed God in a particular area of his life, in his finances. He had ability, but he had not been generous. So Jesus gave him some instructions. Jesus gave him some homework. And the Bible says that young man went away sad because he had great wealth. And he couldn't part with any of it, much less all of it. And after that encounter, the disciples were concerned Because Jesus said how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And why is that? Because they make it on their own. They succeed on their own. And to them, they're a self-made success. They don't need anyone, much less the Lord. And it can be hard to lead someone who thinks like that to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. The disciples said, Lord, who then can be saved? And then they said, as Peter said, verse 28, he said to Jesus, we have left everything to follow you. So that young man couldn't do what Jesus said, but then Peter said, Lord, we have left everything to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much. Say a hundred times. times. Now now again, this is where religion comes in because someone will say yes. And the, the sweet by and by when we're with the Lord and there, there is some truth to that because yes in heaven we will be greatly rewarded but the reward is not just for the next life and that's where people miss it Jesus said no one who has left or given up any of these things verse 30 will fail to receive a hundred times as much when is this saying the sweet by and by it says in this present age And then just so we couldn't mess it up, Mark puts in parentheses, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, and with them, persecutions. Why? Persecutions. Because if we live for God, there's going to be hate. There's going to be criticism. And over time, as God makes up to us anything that we have given up, there's going to be hate. There's going to be criticism. There's going to be persecution for. But notice, notice, something that we give or give up for the kingdom of God, it is temporary because Jesus is the one who multiplies. And he always replaces whatever we give or give up or do for the kingdom of God, he multiplies it and he replaces it with greater. A hundred times as much when in this present age and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. So who doesn't get this? Who doesn't understand this? The people who always put themselves first. The people who just care about themselves. And see, when you just focus on yourself, you're not gonna be thankful, you're not gonna be grateful, you're not gonna be generous, you're not going to be a blessing. The kingdom of God is the opposite. The first will be last and the last will be first. And so if you'll be the kind of person that puts God first, if you'll be the kind of person that puts your husband or wife first, if you'll be the kind of person that puts your children first above your own needs, your own wants, your own desires, you may be last temporarily, but you'll come out first. And you'll come out ahead of all the selfish, cheap stingy people with bad attitudes who lived their entire lives putting themselves first. The last will be first and the first will be last. Now did Jesus really miraculously feed large crowds on two different occasions? Or were the gospel writers simply confused? Did they turn one story into two stories? And those are the kind of things that they deal with in Bible school and seminary. Well Mark gives us the answer Every answer that we need is in the Word of God. Amen? Just got to go looking for it. Mark 8, verse 14. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread. And that's how you know it's a group of men and there's no women there. Amen? <laughs> you know, with the new baby, I'm getting kids ready in the morning, loading backpacks. Amen? And some, some days, not everything makes it up here to St. Paul's. Now, all the children make it. Amen? But I have forgotten one or two things some days. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. And again, that's how you know you're dealing with a group of men. One loaf for 13 guys. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. And they discussed this with one another and said, It is because we have no bread. And again, they're completely missing the point. Now now think about this. Jesus had just fed two large crowds, not just once, but twice. He had fed large crowds on two occasions, yet they are worried about having enough food to eat. He multiplied the loaves and the fish, not just once, but twice. They ate, they were satisfied, there was plenty left over, not just once, but twice. Yet they're here in the boat, they got one loaf of bread, and they're worried about having enough bread they're worried about having enough food to eat amazing but this is why we teach on faith and believing god all the time because no matter how much progress we seem to make we still seem to be like the disciples and no matter what the lord has done no matter how he has provided no matter the miracles that have taken place we're still sitting in the boat and we're worried about having enough bread Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see, and ears but fail to hear? Don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, Seven. So the point was, more than enough, plenty left over. He said to them, do you still not understand? So Jesus himself testified that he fed a large crowd, not just once, but twice. He himself testified that there were two miraculous feedings, one for 5,000 men plus women and children, another for 4,000 men plus women and children. And the disciples, they saw that, with their own eyes. Yet like us, they were worried. They were worried about the provision of God and they doubted the provision of God. So we have got to remind ourselves to not doubt, to not doubt the Lord, to not doubt his provision. When, when things seem to be darker, the miracle, the answer the provision, it's just going to be that much better. So they were worried. They were worried about food and bread to eat. They doubt it. But we should not worry, and we should not doubt the provision of our Heavenly Father. His word is true at all times. His word is just as true in 2020 as it has ever been. He blesses, he protects, he favors. He provides, so we've got to go back to Matthew 6 again and again. Jesus said, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. So take the little that you have, and the little is always the seed to sow. Take the little that you have and put it into the hands of Jesus, and he will multiply it. Mark six forty-two says, they all ate, and they were satisfied. And that's the kind of life our Heavenly Father wants you to live. He wants you to eat and be satisfied. But you gotta give up wrong thinking, gotta give up any bad attitudes, you gotta give up being cheap or selfish or stingy, you gotta be generous, amen, and you gotta model what you're actually believing for. So you gotta be generous with your family, gotta be generous with your husband or wife, gotta be generous with your children, amen you got to be generous with the family of God. you got to be generous with those in need. Model what it is that you want to walk in. They ate and they were satisfied.
0: Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. 3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com remember to put god first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you and don't forget we walk by faith not by sight